Welcome to the But Here We Go podcast coming at you from But Here We Go Studios in Dallas, Texas. Today we don't have any guests. We're not recording live on the road. We are back in the studio by ourselves after a long week with surprisingly not much to talk about. You know, for as much that as much stuff as goes on in the world and for as many things that we do on a daily basis or during the week, I feel like prepping for podcasts and knowing what to talk about and being like, oh, what should we tell people? What do we want to talk right. about? It's just there's really not that much that I'm like, oh, that would be interesting. That is something people want to hear what happened to me in my life or my opinion on a big news story. Here's my thing. Uh, there are a lot of things that I would talk about on this podcast, but I uh, either don't think this is the right demographic or don't think that what I want to say on the matter should be uh, broadcasted and on the internet for the unforeseeable future. <laughs> or you just want a bigger audience to state that to no, publicly for the first time. No, I, uh, no, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to say something, you want to make sure you get maximum mileage out of it. No, that's from not step what I'm one. saying. No, what I'm saying is there are certain things that should never be publicly Yep. said yeah otherwise i mean like what are we gonna do we're gonna do a gossip podcast <laughs> could you imagine how side, what side note that I that love, makes me think of a story i love gossip podcasts that is a bold-faced lie i do you love, really let me let me rephrase you are that always like ali this is gossip you shouldn't be telling me yes, i'm like you're literally my husband i agree let me rephrase that if you want to know what's going on in the world and if you want to be able to have a regular, I guess, have things to talk about in a small talk conversation with basically anybody, then you need to know, well, you need to be listening to things. And most of that I would potentially categorize as gossip. I don't think if it's like a public figure, that to me is not gossip. To me, gossip is someone like in your social social circle. Which, as a girl in, living in female society, I feel like that is like the number one way that women connect with each other. Which, like, I've been, I'm, I love gossip. So the last few years, I've been trying to like not gossip. And let me tell you, I feel like I have nothing to talk about when I get with mm. my girlfriends, which yep. is a problem because <laughs> I'm like, yep. what's going on to talk about? But can I talk to? I, can I say this story real fast before yeah, I forget? Say this story real fast. Okay, so in college, so. Um, I want to say like 2010 or 2011. Um, so, so obviously social media had been around, but during that time, and I don't even remember what it was called, but there was like this website slash like Reddit type situation. It wasn't Reddit, but it was for colleges to post essentially gossip online about your college and just like trash talk people on your college and like rate your RA or like who's the, the biggest part of my French, but slut on campus. And it was not, nothing was good about this website. But Haley and I found out um, that we were on this website and that people were 
trash talking us. Now, to be clear, SMU is relatively small when it comes to college campuses. There's, if you go online, it's like 60, what, 800 undergrad at the the graduate level on there. So it's relatively small, but for Haley and I to be on this trash talking website, we were honestly flattered at this point because we were like, (laughs) we do not feel like we are known well enough to be trashed, but we were trashed. And I'm trying to remember what they even said. They were essentially insinuating that we were Haley and me were the one. We were like the, narcs of the ra world which that i just wore that as a badge of honor they were like they like they'll rat on you or whatever and i'm like i mean this is my scholarship so yeah i'm not going to be ashamed of that but then there was one there was like rumors at uh about me in particular saying that i was sleeping around with residents and like going door to door and sleeping with people and i was like <laughs> i'm a virgin and i'm like a leader in like our church group And like literally no one thinks this. So I don't even I don't know if like someone was just trolling, but it was it didn't even like bother me because I was like, this is so outlandish. No one is going to believe this (laughs) at all. Like I get made fun of for how much of a goody two shoes I am. Anyway, that's my claim to fame. But then someone ended up taking the entire website down for like bullying or something. I don't know. Yep. There you go. Cyberbullying. It happens. Cyberbullying happens. And I think that's that's the side of gossiping that I try to steer clear from is I I recognize and understand that as you are sitting there bonding over trash talking somebody else or complaining about a situation, it is a, a very real bonding experience. But at the same time, you are, are then solidifying that this other person is is lower than you on the totem pole. Right. And I think that's the hard part. Right. And I think that's where the definition of gossip gets tricky and how I always made myself feel better about it is because when I gossiped, I was never intentionally trying to like trash anyone. I was just sharing information that I had Mm. come across. And as most people should know by now, like you've probably heard Allie be like, fun fact, I just love information and I love giving information. But you know, people's private information is not mine to give. So I was never like trying to trash anyone or like make people think poorly of other people. It was just sharing of information. And I've had to learn that like, hey, Allie, this is not your information to share. <laughs> so, um, but funny you say that because I did see and this is years ago so i would have to like google to dig this up but it has been proven that human beings bond faster and tighter over shared hate hates Mm, shared hates than shared loves it's true which is so sad but you i mean you even see that in politics like yeah and then you know name any other in-group situation but it is so much easier to be like oh you hate them too awesome like now we're buddies yeah and then that that like is glue. I wonder if those studies point to the fact that the the negative experience has such a strong like something or other or in your mind because that's what they always say about all experiences that you can have a good experience but that almost always gets trumped by a bad experience if they are right, like, co-located like insults in, or more impactful than yeah. compliments. And it's like you for every 
every bad experience or every argument you have, you have to have like 10 compliments and 10 good experiences with that person right. before you've reestablished trust and rebuilt that relationship. Right. So I wonder if that has something to do with it. Probably. But I recently read this book called Divided by Faith, which the majority of it was essentially about like uh the history of race in the church, but very much more from kind of what we're talking about, like the psychological perspective. And the second half of the book was all just psychological research on um, how churches form and essentially like the psychology between church, like people being in like church A versus church B or like a black church or a white church. And what was really interesting to me is it was essentially saying, um, and you can it doesn't, this doesn't even have to just be about a church. It could be about any group, but a group, like the only way that a group can maintain, like, I guess, success rates, I guess, like it can continue being a tight knit group is to significantly and like constantly other another group. And so like by othering the out group, that's how the group like if the group has clear boundaries and clear traditions and is clear ideology and like that helps the group thrive. But the negative part of that is it can be very cultish and very othering and um, legalistic is not the word I'm trying to look for. But like, for example, for churches, most churches say they want to like major on the majors and minor on the minors. But what you find with most churches is they say that, but members don't do that. And like, and by majoring on both the majors and the minors, they're able to establish group boundaries to create an in-group. Anyway, the psychology behind it was fascinating, but I think about that when it comes to friendships, like, and maybe this is a girl thing, or maybe it's just girls are a little bit more obvious about it, but the easiest way for groups of girls, I feel like, or at least in my experience is to other other groups. Well, I think that's the whole premise of Mean Girls. That's a good point. <laughs> and so it is a a typical, right. a very known, well-established psychological hierarchy of making this hierarchy of people in whatever whatever time frame or whatever social situation you're in. Right. It's almost like that always occurs. Well, and what's funny though is this book and again, you don't even you can take like it's, it was about churches, but I feel like it could be any group. It was saying that like the the very things a group needs to do in order to like create unity amid, amidst or amongst diversity are things that will tear that group apart. <laughs> so it's like this like lose lose battle of like this is what you are supposed to be doing but it will make the main group less solid i think that's really funny in some regards so i've got a few points on that the first idea is that what you're explaining is essentially elitism and right. making making these these hierarchies as i said earlier and so it it really does make sense that if you want to thrive or if you want to be this this epitome of whatever group you're in, like the thing that people should be striving for or the in-group that people want to be a part of, then the only way that you can make that important is by making it scarce and making it difficult to join. Right, exclusivity. Yeah, 
And to the other point, what you're saying, being all inclusive destroys that that specialized, elitist, exclusive VIP lounge of whatever social circle you're in. But in churches, I can't remember what Jesus said exactly, so I'll <laughs> skip that part. But it, as you were talking, the exact thing that I was thinking of was John the Baptist saying that Jesus has to become more and he has to become less. Right. Because he was paving the way for Jesus. He was he was basically calling out the Pharisees and saying, there is a different way. You need to prepare yourselves for the coming Messiah. And by paving this way and, and opening the doors to everybody, John, he ended up becoming lesser. And then, and then Jesus basically let everybody in. Right. When it, how I think of it as well is that obviously as Christians, like this is, that's essentially what we're called to do is like share the kingdom with all, right. Regardless of background or whatever. But ultimately because we are fallen and sinful, it's, it will cycle, so like you can't, and that's not a bad thing. Cause I feel like a lot of people say, oh, well it will just like, you know, it, to borrow CRT type language, like, well, the oppressors will then just become the oppressed. And then it's just a cycle of oppressor oppressed over and over and over again. And I'm not necessarily arguing that that's wrong. I'm saying that doesn't mean you don't try. That doesn't mean you, you stop going out to be to love others you you like there's so many things as christians that we are called to do that literally are futile (laughs) on this earth it does not make sense and it will probably come to bite us in the butt anyway but that doesn't mean that we don't follow through on what we're commanded to do and that's just life of like a constant cycle of like yep bigger smaller bigger smaller bigger smaller yep anyway you want to hop into what we actually were going to talk about well i think it's it's fun to just jump into conversations like that. We don't have to have a a set list of news articles. This is the problem. It's we can't predict this. <laughs> it's true. We that, can't. If we could just like, uh, if we could just you know sit down and be like riffing off awesome conversations, that's fine. But a lot of the times we just sit here, sit here and stare at each other. And we're like, we don't have anything to talk about. We have four hours of tape. No, that we condensed down to 20 minutes could you imagine oh my gosh (laughs) now on that note i had a thought though somehow people find us funny we just randomly get people who just absolutely love us but when we're sitting here will they actually hang out with us that's the real question (laughs) yeah will they They hang out with us they say oh you guys are so funny let's go do all this fun stuff together and then they never call us but I was just wondering, why don't we have a billion listeners to our podcast if we're so funny? (laughs) This is really bothering you, isn't it? And then the other thought is, as we're sitting here talking, I feel like we're having a pretty serious conversation and like we're solving the world's problems. (laughs) So what's the difference between us sitting here on a podcast versus sitting there talking to the people who ultimately are the ones listening to this podcast and 
then somehow we're funny in front of them. But here we're having these like deep, serious, life-changing conversations. I think that is completely subjective for one. This is a life-changing conversation, (laughs) but I'm glad you feel that way. Every conversation with you is life changing. Oh, the corniness is. Um, I don't really know what you're wanting from me on this. I feel like we're bragging about ourselves, which you know me, it's making me very uncomfortable. Humble brag. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Like this conversation, you're probably going to want to cut. Probably. But those are the conversations that people love to maybe laugh at us mm. about. So they're laughing at us and they're like, oh, you guys are so funny. When you're probably feeling awkward, I'm just talking out loud and and it all works out because you can't go back and delete things. I mean, I can go back and delete but things. On here, you can't. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But in real life, you can't. In real life, you're not talking about how funny you are. It's true. <laughs> Unless somebody says we're so funny and they're like, ha ha ha, we're so funny. Except that you should I, see us at this. I never say. Well, yeah, we are pretty funny. We just want to be invited to a wedding, guys. That's really all that we want to do. Or That's, really just be invited to stuff in that is That is our goal is just to get invited right. to things. We just want to go to a wedding. And then we tell them we can't go. Okay, I'm just going to hop into our stories now. So this, let's, The last five minutes have made me far too uncomfortable. Let's talk about what's happening in the world today. Okay. I just want, we don't even have to, I'm just going to read the headline just because I think this is the absolute worst idea. And this segment I'm calling, who asked for this? Who asked for this? I did. Are you ready? Yes. Microchips that mimic the human brain could make AI far more energy efficient. Who asked for this? Who thinks that that is a wise idea to be putting microchips that imitate the human brain into artificial intelligence that is y'all do i need to send a dvd of the terminator out to like literally everybody like this is not a good idea why 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 why? now there's a few a few points on this i know energy efficient i heard that efficiency is so important but then when we're talking about mimicking the brain what does that actually mean and I think that's the important part because whenever you really start digging in and talking to data scientists and people who are making these artificial intelligence machines, very, very many, the majority of these people are saying we are so far away from a machine actually being able to be sentient sentient that that it is infathomable infathomable unfathomable i can't say it it is just so difficult to understand and to even think about how that would happen that it is it doesn't matter what we do it would be so hard for us to get there here's my problem we shouldn't be trying right i agree hear me say this I don't remember the last time I've seen The Terminator, so I don't know if what I'm about to say is actually from The Terminator or possibly from a different movie. But I'm pretty sure it's like a trope in these sci-fi Terminator-esque movies that they always like flash back to a time in the past where some scientist or some child has discovered something that no one thinks is a big deal. But then in the scary, scary future, I think maybe like Tomorrow World or whatever the one with Chris Pratt was on Amazon was similar to this. Or maybe it was... 
the Adam Project. I it's a, it's in a lot of movies. They always show in the background like oh there was this one like equation that some scientists found out that everyone thought was super benign and it is what ended up causing like the downfall of humanity. This is was one of like this is one of those situations where I'm like to your point we we may be 150 years off, but this is definitely a step in that plan of getting there. Does that make sense? Yeah, I see what you're saying. I'm not happy about it. That's all I have to say. Yeah. You know what we could do to increase the energy efficiency? Just start using renewable energy for just, all I the computing. I literally thought that this was going to go to geothermal. Uh, well, geothermal is a renewable energy. So maybe we should be using geothermal it for all is? of our computing power. I had <laughs> no idea. Thank you so much for educating me on that. Hey, you're welcome. That is some you're new information welcome. right there. Speaking of renewable energy. If you mention your podcast, I swear to God. <laughs> no, I was going to say, I think you have an article about global some warming? renewable energy. I don't think I do. Something about solar power. Do I? On Mars? No. I what are you talking about? So there is this article. <laughs> Do you have an article? So there there was this thing going around a few weeks to maybe a month or two ago where they made the announcement that the that the Mars Insight mission was going to be it was going to end at the end of the year. Oh and the little rover thing on Mars. The reason that it's going to end is because there is too much of the Martian dust covering the solar panels and it is not getting enough energy anymore. So it's ultimately going to end up dying because it can't recharge. Can I say something? Yeah. I think, because this is not the first time we've had some sort of like vehicle on Mars. Correct. That is correct. Did we not figure this out? The first, like, did no, like, engineers are trained to be so redundant and, like, have all these, like, contingencies built into things. Did no one think, oh, the dusty planet that is Mars, this could cause a problem. Let's bring some Windex or, I like, create another little rover that's literally his only job is to clean said power panel whatever's. So, to your point, yes, they have multiple contingency plans and they have tried multiple additional things because the there are certain aspects to to climate in general and the 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 climate I use that term loosely for Mars because Mars doesn't really have a climate because it has a very 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 thin atmosphere so it doesn't actually have a climate but it still has like so, some stuff right so we can't screw up its climate is what you're telling me yeah it's it's gone <laughs> <laughs> but that the amount of dust getting caught onto the solar panels, like they knew that was going to be a problem, but they expected it to take longer and they expected the the mission to be able to go longer. And so they are basically getting more dust on there than they originally thought. And they have tried spraying it off with compressed air. They have tried actually, so there's a, there's a drone associated. Drone. That was somebody else's idea that I saw on LinkedIn flying the drone over this. To like have the wind knock it To out? have the, the this blades. This probably caked on pretty good though. Yeah. 
And so this is, and this is a problem with solar panels in general, in general, is that as they get dirty, they have less absorption of the sunlight and therefore they have less efficiency. Are they hard to clean without messing them, messing them up? Well, when you're on Mars, yes. Well, <laughs> you don't have just extra. Wow, really? You don't, I no you don't have Windex There's around a and a squeegee to go clean it. But for for solar panels, anywhere else, you typically have a cleaning schedule. Oh, and see, it's see, just see. like cleaning windows. So it's not as as bad. But... It's just really interesting to think about how that's just one of those things that you don't you don't necessarily have a good solution for, but that is going to be one of those major problems with something like if we're if we're trying to send people to Mars, you're gonna need a lot of Windex. Well, I'm glad you say that because I have good news. Oh, good. We don't even have to worry about Mars anymore. After decades in the shadow of the other planets, Uranus, which I say Uranus because someone fancy in science pronounced it Uranus. And so I like saying Uranus instead of Uranus, since obviously we are all turn into five-year-olds when we say Uranus. I think that's the real reason why you call it Uranus. Is it not Uranus, though? I don't know, but it's a lot more fun to say <laughs> Uranus. <laughs> to say Uranus. Okay, backing up. After decades in the shadow of the other planets, Uranus should become NASA's focus of exploration, a panel of planetary scientists reported today in the field's long-awaited decadal, decadal? Decadal. Decadal survey, a priority-setting report the agency will use to make its case to congressional funders as the scientists get their wishes. NASA, in the early 2030s, will launch a $4.2 billion orbiter and atmospheric probe to Uranus, seeking to understand the formation and composition of this ice giant. We don't even have to worry about so Mars me, dust anymore. Let me just make sure I understood that. We are going to send a probe to Uranus. <laughs> <laughs> Stop! Wow, that's hilarious. Yeah, it says probe. It okay. says atmospheric probe to Uranus. Good, good. Wow. You know that person who wrote that was really having fun with that. Are you sure this isn't an Onion article? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's science.org. That's so funny. So, <laughs> See, I didn't even pick that up because I'm an adult. <laughs> you were just thinking Uranus the whole time. <laughs> yes, I've trained my brain to be Uranus. How long is that trip going to be if... We all jump into a spaceship. I'm, I'm so glad you asked that question. If launched on a Falcon Heavy rocket in 2031 okay. or 2032, the orbiter could get a gravity assist from Jupiter and arrive in 13 years. Neptune would take far longer. This mission is technically ready to go, <laughs> says some guy. We advocate that it be started right away, but whether that can happen depends on NASA figuring out a budget that has been strained by the pandemic and soaring mission costs. So 13 years to get us to our new planet. That is a very Whoa, long trip. Did you know that we already have plans to send something to Europa, which is Jupiter's icy moon? Is it funded or is it in talks? It's, uh, it's following a set of missions. To return rock samples from... It says the last decadal report... 
in 2011 ranked an ice giants mission third following a set of missions to return rock samples from mars and a visit to europa jupiter's icy moon missions that are now underway or in development interesting i should know that but i do not recall what mission that is but i've i've heard rumblings Uh, you're so weird um i have a question though i'm gonna read the sentence and i'll ask my question okay so perhaps the survey's biggest surprise is its recommendation for what comes after Uranus, a $4.9 billion mission to Enceladus, the tiny moon of Saturn that spews organic-rich plumes of water out of fissures in an icy cap. In an icy cap, ready-made samples what of a subsurface ocean that might host microbes. I have a question, because they're saying that that's the probably the best place to look for evidence of life that we can today. Okay, so have we just been trying to find water on Mars this whole time because it's the closest to us? Because I, for some reason, felt, I guess that was dumb of me for thinking that we hadn't found, I mean, I guess we haven't technically found water anywhere because we've never been. This is all hypotheticals, but. Yeah, we have found water on the moon and Mars, not ground truthed. So we don't. Wait, what does that mean? So ground truthing is going and physically holding it, saying, "Okay, here it is. I have it." That's what I mean when I say ground truth. So where is it on the moon? Why haven't we had it yet? On the, on the caps, the, the north and south pole. But there's still no life on the moon. There's no microbes on the. We're not going to go look for microbes in the moon caps. No. Why? Just because there's water doesn't mean there's life. Oh, because everything else on the moon's terrible for life, so we're just yeah. assuming. Yeah. Whereas if you have if you have volcanoes spewing organic matter, organic matter meaning the matter that the core components of life, then it is more likely that life would be there. Whereas the moon is pretty much it's mostly basalt. At least the stuff at the surface. So it's not really conducive to a whole lot of life. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, I think the main reason we've been looking at the moon and Mars is because they're, they're the closest. closest. That is something. to be like, peace out Earth. Yeah. Yeah. And a trip to Mars, you could feasibly figure out a way to make that a round trip. So it wouldn't be, it's not impossible to go to Mars and then come back, maybe. Whereas a 13-year trip out to out to Uranus, that is... They didn't even say how long it's going to take to get to Saturn's moon or whatnot. Yeah, that is a, that's a one-way trip. Is Pluto a no-go? We're not even thinking about Pluto? Too cold? Pluto, I think. is Too far? Yeah, Pluto's not in a... The other aspect that a lot of people think about, and we we watched that one that one terrible movie. I think it was. We watch a lot of terrible movies. We do, but it was one that was it was sci fi turning like it was mutations to create a person that could live on Saturn's moon. I I think I I don't remember. Oh, I think it was for making them to live on Io. And it was so weird what the 
what these people would turn into. The whole point of what I'm trying to say is that the conditions to live in outer space are so difficult that it's almost like you're trying to play a game of odds on what's the least difficult. Right. Not necessarily where the most resources are going to be. Right, right, right. But just where where could we most easily make a living? So having something that feasibly you could send resupplies to, like Mars, and something that at least kind of looks like Earth, kind of has similar gravity, feels more homey, that is something that you can kind of think about and understand. And it's not so far away that you have these these wild, crazy temperature swings. It's just more manageable temperature swings that you could probably engineer a way through. Um, somewhat related question. If you were not married, didn't have a family, and were asked to go on this 13-year trip to Uranus, would you go? This is a great time for another inappropriate Uranus joke. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm concerned. Um, I don't think I would. And I say I wouldn't because that trip, you are you are signing up for that for your life. That's a good point. And because like to get back. Right. So you're. Yeah. And you have to at least spend a year, if not five years on Uranus. Yeah. It would be such a long trip. And so you have to be really close with your crew. You're probably I, me talking. If I was NASA, if I was mission control on this, I would sterilize everybody on that trip <laughs> because like, you know, there somebody's going to be having sex 100%. and you 100%. cannot get pregnant on that. No, there's Can no you way. Imagine? That sounds like a sci-fi we, movie. Everybody's getting sterilized. Right. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe sterilized isn't the right term, right, right, but right, right. everybody's going to get their tubes tied or their or their cords cut so um, which sucks though if like they're on their way to uranus and something real bad happens to earth and they are the only humans left that happen to be sterile i mean that's that sterile's is the right word right yeah i think so okay but now that that is a great that's a great ending to a really depressing movie <laughs> It is. Well, I love just, that. Uh, it reminds me of the spoiler alert. It's been out forever, but uh, don't look up that to me. It's the same thing. Cause don't look up. They just sent like all the oligarchs and, and rich old people who have obviously passed their reproductive health years to a planet. I'm like, why they're not going to be able to reproduce. Yeah. So that's stupid. It doesn't make sense. Uh, we, well, it was a test you passed. I'm glad you said you're not going to go to, Uranus. Astronaut Joe. All right. Moving on. Okay. This, um, welcome back to another edition of who's asking for this. Who? Who? who I told who? you I am. <laughs> Two in one episode. Who would have thought? This could also be renamed like Allie's Doomsday News or like Allie's <laughs> I Told You So News. This 830 million year old crystal might contain life and we're about to open it who is that no that is literally the start to every like i don't know sci-fi 
into the world movie like a monster is coming out of this thing or an alien something bad is not it's not going to happen 830 million year old crystal that's what it says and this is also oh no this is oh side note i was just like googled weird news and apparently npr has a whole section just called strange news oh fun do we need strange news maybe we should just change the podcast but here we go strange news time i feel like npr is gonna hunt us down and be like, pay us money. I bet they would love it. Okay, uh, from lemons to ham, salt is a handy food preservative. But what? researchers studying some really old salt crystals found them preserving something else. Evidence of life. Quote, there are little cubes of the original liquid form of which that salt grew. And the surprise for us is that we also saw shapes that are consistent with what we would expect from microorganisms, said Kathy Benison, a geologist at West Virginia University. Do you know her? What's her name? I was joking, but I, but Kathy Benison. Kathy Benison, I do not know. I her. swear to God, if you were like, oh, I know Kathy, I would have like crapped myself. That would have been hilarious to me. No, but I know people at West Virginia University. I this is we've been married for seven and a half years, and yes, I'm a two year old. I added the halves. Um, and you are constantly surprising me. Um, they could be still surviving within that 830 million year old preserved habitat. How do we know that it's 830 million? That's like the oldest thing I've ever heard of. That's a long time. Yeah, it's a long time, but I, I don't think that that's the beginning of, of microorganisms. Do you get the journal geology? I might. What do you mean you might? Is it an email? Cause I haven't seen it in the mail. She's it saying this is posted in the journal geology. It would be something that I can get access to. I'm looking at a photo of this. Oh, it's a Permian salt. Does that make, does that get you all giddy okay. over there? Permian. Where's uh, it from? I don't know. Um, oh, Central Australia. Okay. Okay. You, are you sure you don't know Kathy? Yeah, I don't know There's her. too many. Th- anyway. Oh, look. Quote, it does sound like a really bad B movie, but there is a lot of detailed work that's been going on for years to try to figure out how to do that in the safest possible way. That's funny. I'm not so worried funny. about she it. She says that there's no need to worry. Yeah, I'm not worried about Do you know Bonnie it. Baxter? No, I don't know Bonnie. I'm just going to hold on. Let me scroll through all these names. No, that's it. But they, okay. Anyway, I don't think that's a good idea. But then again, what is, what in reality, what are they going to find? If it's that old. It's not like it's going to be like a disease that wipes out the planet, right? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. See, because that was that Tomorrowland movie with what's his name. Yeah, kind of. They found I, the aliens I'm, in the ice. I'm really curious if anybody has watched that movie. That was one of our first podcasts. We talked about it. It Was it really? I think it was. It was a while ago. We talked about it. We didn't give out any spoilers because it was a good, we I really wanted it. people to watch it. But if you haven't watched it yet, go watch it. It's still on Amazon Prime. If you don't have Amazon Prime, send us a message and we'll have a we'll have a showing party or a viewing party because it's a lot of fun. It's a great movie. Anyway, that was Don't Do Anything Stupid with Ali Batir. <laughs> and does Joe know that geologist? On that note, I had this big, huge, great spiel planned for sponsor, not sponsor. I've completely forgotten all of it. But today's show is sponsored by... 
but not actually sponsored by Father's Day. <laughs> for, <laughs> the day? The day. So for all of you who don't know, Father's Day <laughs> is June 19th. I'm sure that everybody on everybody who's listening to this show may be a father or may have a father or may have some <laughs> I'm like going to the list of people who listen never to this mind, show. Never mind, never mind. No, it's fine. There, no, I'm not saying th- that. There's for sure one dad on this show. I'm not gonna say that. So Ted will learn. This show is sponsored by Father's Day. And I don't remember why I was going to have Father's Day sponsor this show, but for some reason, I wanted Father's Day to sponsor the <laughs> Go show. Go with it. I support and that. for all of you who either need to get a father a gift or be given a gift as a father, the one thing that I know all men like is meat. <laughs> That's a very large generalization. I'm sure there's a lot. You yourself used to be vegetarian. It's a very large generalization. And I don't know where I was going with that either. <laughs> but there's a lot of different companies out there that you can just order boxes of meat from. Are, wait, have you shifted from hats to just like companies that you've made an order from recently? <laughs> That's it. That was the connection. Because I've got a hat that says Super Dad on it. It's true. <laughs> this show's Sponsored by Super Dads. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> yeah, let me restart this whole thing. No, I like it. I'm going to keep it in. <laughs> so so this show is sponsored by Super Dads. So all you Super Dads out there, good job. And congratulations on coming up on another Father's Day. For all of you who need to get a father a gift, I'm pretty sure most men out there like meat if you don't know where to get meat you can try your local supermarket or there's (laughs) or there's these boxes that you can order i'm keeping it in its its entirety there's boxes that you can order (laughs) that have meat in them some of these are butcher's box oh my gosh or omaha steaks and there's others, I'm sure. <laughs> if you don't know which one to order from, send me a message and I'll figure out which one I have a referral code for and I will suggest that one to you. <laughs> and if I don't have a referral code for one that you particularly want, You're not I'll go one. make one. <laughs> And with that, that has been sponsored, not sponsored, for the But Here We Go podcast. (laughs) See, I really, really thought through this. I just so happened to not write it down (laughs) and not have notes. So it came out very poorly. It showed. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm sure everybody will love it. Oh, I'm not cutting a single thing. But for real, happy Father's Day, everyone. Hey, happy and Father's happy, Day to you. And happy Mother's Day to all those mothers out there from back in May. <laughs> we didn't talk about Mother's Day at all, did we? I don't re- I don't think so. I don't remember. And happy Grandparents Day. Happy birthday. And happy birthday happy to Memorial all you fans Day. out there. Happy President's Day. And just 
I hope you guys have a great week. Oh my gosh. Bye. Bye-bye.